1: This episode has been recorded in two parts. In episode three, Betsy shared with listeners that she'd made the difficult decision to separate from her husband. And in today's episode, we'll be sharing more about making decisions from the heart.
0: So this is Betsy. We followed up on this uh, and recorded a conversation where we talked about this. In fact, Kate basically interviewed me and asked me questions about my process So I listened to the recording, which was about two months after we had made it, around the time that we were going to release the episode, and I just felt so much vulnerability and so much um, fear about sharing my heart in such a wild, raw way, and found some pause because my story is interwoven and deeply connected with this other human story, um, my spouse, So I made the decision at the time that I wanted to kind of change how we brought it forward. You know, what I'm going through is still evolving and shifting and changing as I keep changing and shifting and evolving. So, you know, we also realized that the
1: topic that emerged is far bigger than a major life change like separation. It's really about how do we make big and hard decisions from our heart instead of our head? And how do we allow our gut, kind of that inner voice, to really be our guide? So we still feel the conversation we had was so valuable and useful in so many ways. And as Betsy said at one point in that conversation, I I know I'm not the only one who has faced this, nor will I be the last. So in service to you as our listeners and to the larger collective, we are recording new parts and including parts of our original conversations. We hope you enjoy it. And more than that, that it makes you think about what hard decisions you may be facing and how rather than avoiding them, you have the courage to look at them in the eye and move through them. We've all been in this pressure cooker over the last few years and honestly, it stirred up a lot of things for people, and in some ways created even more confusion um, than clarity. So we can look at it as maybe living in a fog and and kind of trying to find our new way out of this and and we all deserve to be liberated to live with more clarity and and freedom.
0: yeah, and the the piece we want to, begin to help people think about is that when we're going through major shifts in our life, and we can even look at the last two years of the pandemic, pandemic is such a shift for all of us that it does bring things to the surface. And for some of us, I think for me, I was for no other reason than just grace or fate or whatever, I was ready to, to look at it and really dive into it. Whereas for other people, things may be lifted up in the pandemic that just wasn't the right time. Um, but it can create kind of a sense of fog at times, like where am I? What's real? What's not real? What do I want? What do I not want? Um, but the piece we want to play you from the original episode is an experience I had of a lot of self-flagellation. So I think when we're facing hard decisions, big decisions, life potentially changing decisions, at least for me, I went into a lot of um, self-hatred. I went into a lot of like beating myself up. I shouldn't feel this. I shouldn't be having these experiences. I shouldn't have so much fog. I meditate every morning. Why am I so foggy, right? And um, and is there anything you want to share about Self-flagellation, Kate, because I know you've also had to make really big decisions from the heart around jobs and, um, you know, other personal things in your life. Like, did you ever move into those places of just like I was so hard on myself? Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think I talked at one point in maybe an earlier episode about you know leaving my original career and how much shame and guilt I had around that. Um, and. You know, when I have made the best decisions, they have been when I do just trust my instincts. And for some of my biggest decisions, I've made the right ones, I believe, because I haven't asked for input from a lot of people. Whew. Yeah. And and partially out of maybe some privacy, because sometimes I feel like I'm a, a bit of a private person, but... Until you started to do a podcast uh, t- t- recently. <laughs> um, but... But I knew that if I asked, I would get a million different answers and everyone would have their own lens they were looking through and I wouldn't be making decisions for me. I'd start Mm. to make them for other people, which I did a lot, a a large part of my life, early years, made a lot of decisions for other people. Mm. Um, what I thought others wanted of me and for me. So yeah, I think Um, It's taken me 50 years to figure out that I really do have the answers when I'm quiet and I give myself space to, to make decisions
0: from the heart. I think that's so wise to consider not bringing so many people's opinions in to these life changing decisions versus just dropping into yourself, dropping into your heart, trying to listen to yourself so let's play the piece or the little section um, of that original recording about self-flagellation. Why are you discontent? Like, why can't you just be grateful? If I could only tell you how many times I told myself, just look around, be grateful, be grateful for this family and these children and this house and this life and 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 so many others have it so much worse. Like so many, just yes, exactly. But the the Buddhists call it the double arrow. So like the first arrow is that something's off and you don't feel good. And the second arrow is you beat yourself up because yeah. something's off and it doesn't feel good. Right. So I was stuck in a vicious cycle of just being so, like so hard on myself. So
1: one of the ways to work through confusion, I think when we have big decisions or or small decisions, but just decisions to make is really tuning into our body. Um, And I've worked with Betsy before and having kind of energy readings done. And I remember, do you remember this day when you said, let's do an exercise where we really get into your body? And um, I was like, "Um, maybe next time. (laughs) And then next time came around and I was like, I think I'll be ready next time. And finally, I said, yes. And, you know, you've done, I've done hypnosis with you and other things where I really get into my body and the shift and the, like, the lights that were like shown on some of these things that were just deep in me. It was the biggest shift I had ever experienced. It was profound. Yeah. And, and that's where I learned how much I live in my head and yeah. I don't live in my body. We, I think all of us yeah. live
0: primarily in our
1: head, but it took that experience for me to, to understand how so much of our pain and our, you know, the, the, the trauma, the things that we go through are lodged in our body Yeah, and often aren't released. Yeah. And so, um, they come out sideways and they, they don't serve us
0: well because we haven't let them go. So yeah. for me, that was yeah, listening yeah, to my body. That was a huge well point. and it's interesting because what you're talking about, I have seen in myself and I've seen in so many yoga students and other people I've worked with is that we're resistant to go into our body. It's like and it's and we're resistant. We're scared somehow. But I have to say that I've not yet come across someone who has had Uh, like a big, scary um, Pandora's box thing happen. Instead, there's just, there's wisdom. There's like a knowing in the body. There's answers. There's guidance, which is why um, I'm always trying to draw people in. Like, let's go in. Let's listen to your body. Let's, what does this feel like in your body? What's happening in your body? So we want to play a section now from our original conversation. Um, Kate had asked me, you know, when you were facing this big decision, you know, what was going on in your body?
1: Did you have, can I ask, um, and we'll talk about this a little later maybe, but did you, where did you feel it? Did you, did your body um, mm. give you signs early on or during the last decade? I know we've talked a little bit about your health. I mean, were there times when your body,
0: Mm. Such a good question. And I'm just sort of putting this together now, which is so thank you for path. asking right now in this moment. I'm like, whoa. Um, I yeah, in my late 30s, early 40s, so seven, eight years ago, I developed this autoimmune disorder and I was just exhausted and tired all the time. And I also had been having all this repetitive strep throat that like my body couldn't clear. And um, I had been told by doctors, including my, my husband, that I should just get my tonsils cut out, that that would solve everything. Mm-hmm. Right? just like the easy fix, right? Like out. here's the cut easy fix, out. just cut it out. Um, and then that problem will be solved, right? And then we can move forward because I do remember feeling so tired and exhausted and, and, um, my, my husband, not really getting it sort of like what happened to this vibrant woman that I knew. And I, I think it was the start of my body really giving me some very strong signs. And I'm so grateful that I didn't get my tonsils cut out. And I have to make a big shout out to a woman named Anne. And, um was a student in my yoga class. She also happened to be a physician as well and super intuitive and tuned in in this really deep way. And she knew that I had been struggling with all this strep throat, autoimmune stuff. And one day after yoga class, she came up to me and she like held onto my forearms and she was like, Betsy. Because I got this really clear vision in Shavasana that your left tonsil is this wise old man. Or no, your left tonsil is this wise old woman, and your right tonsil is this wise old man. And that is why you can speak wisdom so beautifully and why you can channel such amazing classes and messages through your work. She's like, don't you dare cut out that old man and old woman. And I, wow. I've i never told you this, no, have I? Yeah, and it was so clear. And so from that moment forth, I was dedicated to not doing this like surgical technique that really was being encouraged from lots of angles in my life.
1: Well, and just thinking about your tonsils being where something was settling, which really is your voice.
0: Yeah. And you asked me earlier today, like, when did you know? And that, thank you for that question again, because I had forgotten that phase of my life when I think the beginnings of these rumblings were there. Yeah. But I do think it's the body that keeps the score and tells us, gives us information, gives us guidance.
1: And you have to be quiet to be able to connect with your body and give yourself space uh, because it really does hold the truth. Yeah.
0: So a big challenge in making decisions from our heart versus our head, and Kate's already alluded to this in that we're so conditioned to place our head as as the queen or the king of our life. And if you think about it, we've all, been most of us through sort of a traditional educational system that also teaches us that our mind is our power. It's what we want to develop. It's what we want to, you know, grow stronger and learn more. And we're not often sort of taught that there's other ways to feel, experience, be in the world besides just processing it through the mind. So we've all been indoctrinated to believe our mind is you know, the head. And we've all been indoctrinated into these stories, right? Stories about what it means to be a working woman or stories about what it means to be a mom or stories what it means to be a wife or stories about what a family looks like or stories what a partner should be like, right? We've all been indoctrinated into these stories. And part of, I think, what we need as, as all humans is we need to realize these stories can cage us. They like create a really low ceiling. Right. And so part of the work around making hard decisions from your heart is you have to actually start to dematerialize or take down the walls. Mm -hmm. Look at how you're caged. Like so often I feel like we're caged, but the door is wide open and we we stay put. Yeah. Like that learned helplessness, like mm-hmm. we stay put because we've been told this is what I should do versus really dropping in, listening to your heart and realizing I am free. I can I can make other choices. Right. Yeah, finding our freedom
1: uh, and autonomy when like you said we we really you get good at what you practice, right? So when we don't teach in a way where we're helping young people tune into themselves and and follow their voice and understand their inner selves, they're not practicing that. So it's no wonder as adults we that concept is foreign to us because we haven't practiced it our whole lives. And I think often we look at people that are able to do that and think, how is it they're making all these moves and changes and you know there's a little bit of maybe I remember looking at people like that kind of jealousy like oh they seem to be moving through so smoothly Yes. yes how are they doing that yeah and so I do think I think it's something to practice and the more you do it the easier it gets which you've you've taught us and I say us like in retreats that whole idea of you know hand on your heart and
0: Listening, listening, listening asking, to your body. asking questions.
1: Yeah, are you moving? Does your body move toward that or or away? Yeah. And and I taught my daughter that at 20 years old, and I'm I'm like, oh, I wish i had known this at 20. Um, but tuning into your body once you start doing it, it becomes much easier to yeah. do it at for big things.
0: I think we should um, teach our listeners that because it's so simple and quick, and it's so life changing. So, yeah, let's teach anyone who knows me will. Um, Notice that I often put my hand over my heart. Yeah, my assistant is looking at me right now, <laughs> like shaking his, shaking his head, like, you know, slightly rolling his eyes, I think. <laughs> um, so whenever my hand goes over my heart, what I'm actually doing is I'm posing a question to myself. And the question always starts with, is it in my highest interest to fill in the blanks, Right. Uh, meet that person after work for a drink, Um, work on this piece of my project today. Uh, You know, there's so many questions you can ask. And so I ask myself a question with my hand on the heart, and then I watch how my body responds. And if the answer is yes, you should do that. You should meet that person after work. My whole, like my hand, my heart expands, like my body almost leans into that, Experience, whereas if the answer is no, like probably not right now, like I literally retract away, my heart like pulls away from my hand, right? So it's it's like I'm asking myself like hundreds of times a day: Is it my best interest to eat the salad or should I have the pasta or what? You know, like even silly things like is the timing of this right right now? And my body always gives me the answer. And I would say, I trust it most of the time, not all the time, because sometimes the answer that comes through, and I'm like, "Screw that! I don't want to do that." (laughs) Right? I thought I should be my mind still. I am eating the chocolate. Yeah. (laughs) But Kate, you you also do this. I know what. What have you learned from this experience? Just how much
1: I have always been in my head. I, I I mean, I went to law school, for Christ's sake. I mean, they basically teach you, right? Analyze logic. Right. You know, everything is, uh, you know, looking at the pros and cons. I mean, that's yeah. what law school is and, and being able to argue. So I literally, I was trained to argue in yeah. my head. You paid about, a lot of money to learn how to have
0: high skills yes. in this and arena. Yes, now and
1: I'm, now I'm paying to try to undo some of that <laughs> um, because that's not, while that might be a great skill in the courtroom in life, mm. it, it is not, it is not the most authentic way to make decisions. And that tool in and of itself is one of the most life changing things I've learned from you. Mm. Um, but I've also witnessed the other women when yeah. we've done these retreats, experience that and be like, holy Right. right. Like that 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 has always been here for me. And right. I have never taken advantage of it. And so right. it is a it's a huge gift and when you do start doing it, it becomes very natural. And I always say, you know, maybe not, you know, the big, big decisions. You you yeah. can't, you know, necessarily start there. Yeah. So don't say
0: yeah, I wouldn't say that some of the big decisions I've made in my life have been from me having my hand over my heart asking because they're nuanced, right? right? Like, and I will tell people when they do this exercise, if you ask a really complicated question about life, such as, should I separate from my spouse? Should I leave this job? Should I move across the country? Right? Your, your body usually kind of moves forward and back, forward and back. It's mm. like, Yes, there are pros to that. And yes, there are, con- like, no, there are, con- right? Like, Correct. so the body, I would say the more complicated questions, your, your body might not be as clear. Um, so it might require more tuning in. It might be, require longer meditations. It might require journaling. It might require time. I think so much is just about divine timing.
1: And that um, makes me think of uh, Dr. Shafali.
0: Yeah. And
1: her book, Radical Awakening. Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing the timing of um, being patient for the answer. I think that's when on those big decisions, there has to be some patience because the answer comes and when it comes and you're listening, there's no question. Yeah. Right. And we've talked
0: about. Yeah, Dr. Shafali, we're going to link to her book in the show notes, and we're going to try to we're we're trying to work on a an event with her at some point. If you're listening, Dr. (laughs) Shafali, we're reaching out to you Uh, because she's such a powerhouse of wisdom. But she has talked about how many. So she's a psychologist as well, and she has talked about how many people she will have in her office asking the question, should I stay or should I go? And this can be around a relationship. It can be around a job. It can be around a friendship. And she often talks about like, you'll know. If you don't know yet, you don't know. So don't try to force a decision, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you're asking, should I go, but you have all these doubts and you're not ready, it's not the time. So she she speaks so eloquently about, there, if you are meant to do that, there will become a moment that you will just know and there's no turning back. Right? You will just go forward.
1: It, I liken it to kind of Oprah's words around whispers. The whispers get louder. Mm-hmm. And, if and then they start to become mm-hmm. screams and yes. then they start and to
0: become pain in your low back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. But all of these decisions that I think, big decisions and little decisions that we face, come from this deep sense that we know it could be better. We were just talking about this. My sister and I were talking yeah. about this this morning, that, that all of us have a deeper sense that we could have a more satisfying experience, a fuller life, a more expansive life. We could feel more joy, right? Like I think this is super universal, but it's also the wild woman, right? It's the wild woman. It's it's the door. Yeah. Yeah. It is the door. So in our previous conversation, we talked just about this. And so we'd like to play you a part of that now.
1: It's really all the
0: mm-hmm. same kind of inner work of there's more. I, I now want more. Yeah. And I believe that is universal in everyone. Yeah. Like I know... I could, there could be more. I know it could be more beautiful. I know it could be better. And again, I think my story was, I felt guilty about that. I felt guilty about desiring more. I felt guilty about wanting something different or wanting a, a, a bigger, more expansive experience. And I feel like that's one of the things we want to address is how, again, we've all been indoctrinated and limited to believe that like, oh, this is enough. This, this will be okay. I I once did a, a training in restorative yoga and it was really telling for me because in this training, you know, you're encouraged to use 10 blankets and five bolsters and like every prop imaginable. So you can get a hundred percent comfortable. And I remember they would set up a pose for me and I'd be like, yeah, this is good enough. This is great. I feel pretty good here, right. and the teacher was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, this is not about good pretty good. <laughs> like, this is a, we want a hundred percent comfortable." And I remember it was such a odd concept for me because, like, eighty nine. Oh, this is pretty good. Eighty nine percent. I'm feeling good enough. Don't don't go out of your way to yeah. make this better don't for me, me. I'm done. I don't need another blanket. I'm yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think we're all doing that in so many aspects of our life. Like, oh, this is this is fine, right? But aren't we meant to better than fine? Yeah. All right. So the the real purpose of this podcast and what Kate and I keep trying to bring our listeners and ourselves back to realigning with over and over is this concept of the wild woman. And again, the wild woman is someone who has escaped the cage, has been willing to uh, break through the the ties that are binding her, um, willing to, with courage, face her truth and then live her truth, speak her truth, be in truth. So um, we went into a lot more conversation about the healthy wild woman in our prior conversation that we're going to play for you in a moment. But Kate, do you have any other thoughts about the healthy wild woman and how she's showing up for you or what it means to you? So it's been interesting when you turn
1: 50, people say, oh, you're, you're 50 now, so you don't have to give a shit about what anyone else thinks. That I heard that message so many times, like leading up to my birthday, and we've talked about that even at 40, you start to hear that conversation. And I started thinking about how, even as women, we are kind of as a, as a gender telling ourselves, pretty soon you're going to have that freedom. Not yet. Mm. But you're going to reach an age and we're all going to give you permission. And I feel like part of that is because we think we have to somehow earn it. We have to, we have to live through this other piece to, to get there. And I hope for like my daughter and your daughter. They don't have to wait till they're 50? Don't wait till oh, they It's so silly. Um, but that's, that's kind of the narrative that's out there.
0: Yeah. And part of that is the lived experience and, and you, you know, And I've heard menopause too, that, that you, mm-hmm. your hormones change and you have no, you, you know, you, you're not trying to find a, a spouse or you're not trying to attract. And so you just are more outspoken. I've heard this from so many women yeah. saying once they reach their fifties, they just say what's on their mind. Yeah.
1: So there may, there could may be some hormonal be pieces,
0: but I do piece. love the idea of like, why let's not, let's, let's, not let's give people encouragement to not wait until your fifties to be wild and to be yourself and to be authentic and be real and have a voice. Yeah. All right, so here's some of our recordings from our original episode. I think we should talk a little bit more about we've defined it here and there, but I really think we should talk more intensely about it because if you think about it, we were all caged up for 2 years. Yes. Right? Like we were caged animals in our house, not allowed to go to the movies, not allowed to go to the restaurants, right? And I do think there's this This is also maybe why you and I tuned into this energy of the wild and, you know, our trip to Iceland and how expansive and impactful it was and freeing and how you and I are both like, we want to, we want to commit and connect to this wild energy, but we both learned even just talking to Lissy last weekend. And we hope you listened because we had this amazing guest, Lissy, this a recording artist who, both in our eyes, is so wild and wild. What we mean by wild is like just connected to your essence, to your yes. natural state, like not living in the cage, being willing to follow your own natural path versus allowing yourself to be indoctrinated by culture and family and what you think you should do.
1: And yet, and yet, <laughs> when we asked her, you know, she considers herself wild. She's like, I don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, she was sort of like, I don't know if I'm wild. And she just told us this long story about getting kicked out of high school and like going off to LA and here even Lissy is like, I, I don't know if I'm wild. Right. Um,
1: and then she kind of came around to, yeah, you know, I, I see that when you think about the wild woman archetype. So so part of it is just redefining and, and having that common language
0: around what wild is, um, which, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about like what a healthy wild woman looks like. I mean, I kind of already described a little bit how I got cut off from my wild, where I felt fatigued and sort of uninspired and compressed and doubtful and, you know, afraid to make changes. And I think these are some of the signs. Yeah. Should we talk about any other signs? Do you think?
1: Yeah. Well, I think depression is a sign. Um, Yeah being uninspired shame bearing um feeling crazed yeah uh i know a lot of people that i coach will say i just feel like i have a block like there's something just blocked in me and i can't get past that so i think being blocked what else
0: um you know i think for me too like uh intellectualism Like you can get so stuck in your head. Paralysis analysis. Yeah. Right. Just stuck in the mental gymnastics of, let me make another pro con list. You know, let me, let me really like think through what I should do. Like these big decisions in our life should never come from our head. They are pure heart decisions. And the moment I actually said to my spouse, like, I think I, we need a separation. I literally felt this like, push from the back of my heart, like my heart. Yeah. Like it almost like there was this hand on the back of my heart that was like, now Betsy, now it's time. No more procrastination. It's time. So I do think these big, big choices have to come from the heart versus like, just was trying to think my way through this. And you can't think your way through something like this.
1: I, my decision to leave my career was very similar, right? Mm. My head was telling me you know, oh, this is the investment you've made, the time you put in, how can you walk away from this? How can you, you know, all of those things went through my head and every ounce of my being was like, this is not right. This is mm. not right. And, it, and, and it wasn't until, I mean, it took me time. I wrestled with it for several years and I, I had a lot of guilt around it. And uh, so very similar. It's like, when you finally say, I'm going to listen to to my heart on this may not make sense. It doesn't need to make sense to anyone really. Bingo. Um, that's the challenge, right?
0: Women are always like, well, I need to ex- be able to explain it and I can't explain it. I think that's why it took me so long. The people pleaser in me yeah. needed to make sure that everyone understood and my parents understood and everyone who loved me understood, right? Like I had to,
1: right.
0: and that's crazy. That's crazy talk. That's crazy making that, that you have to have everyone you have to convince people of what, because no one can live in your heart or know your heart. Right. No. No, no one, one can.
1: No one. But we're really, we're really indoctrinated into that idea are. of of pleasing others and making sure everyone's okay with it. Um, but as soon as you release yourself from that and say that's their work, they don't need to be okay with my decision. I hope they support me. We often, you and I, will talk about you know the further you get along your growth journey, the smaller the maybe the yeah, the number of people walking beside you and, and that's scary, I think, because we we value relationships and we, we want those in our lives. but in the end it's the authenticity of those relationships that really matter and you can't have authentic relationships if you're not authentic to who you
0: are yourself. So it starts with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, like, as we, we've kind of talked about what it looks like to be cut off from your wild, from your essence, from your inner knowing, your intuition, so many different words we can describe it, but what does the healthy wild woman look like? And we have some things here from our favorite book, women who run with the wolves. Um, but maybe I'll start out by just saying how I feel. Okay. And then we can talk about what. The author, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, says about what the wild woman looks like. Um, for me, I feel integrated. Like I feel like I've reclaimed myself in a way that I can hardly put into words. Like again, I saw that I had to cut off so much of my instinct to to be able to just keep going and how it was moving. And I feel just so much more integrated and there is a freedom. There is a spaciousness. There is a a deeper connection to myself. Like I like myself in a new way. I was just going to say that. I think
1: that's, that's been it for me is just that idea that, um, it it kind of, it really does when you are able to do it, it takes you back to who you, who you've always been. And sometimes I think in that journey, you, f- you kind of forget who you naturally were. Yeah. And, and so part of your life, we always say it's not finding yourself, it's returning to who you really are. And so for me, that magic is in, that felt very real to me. Like that decision to say no to that, that was the right authentic decision, right? It wasn't about anybody else. It just, it felt right to me and I'm gonna be good with that. And when you start coming from that place,
0: the things that are meant for you show up. Yes, and I will say that as hard as this has been, as gut wrenching, gut wrenching as this has been, as challenging it's been, I do not regret that decision. I can stay so solid and strong in that. I don't regret it, and I don't know where this is all going. Like I don't know what right. what the end of the story is going to look like, but that decision came from my heart. And my heart pushed me forward to speak it. And then life started to unfold. And I've had beautiful signs and synchronicities and um, guidance that this, you're doing the right thing. Again, I don't know where this is. And I'm trying to stay open, open and unattached from an ideal of where this goes. But let me tell you, making a decision from the heart and trusting the heart, like, whoa. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. I had a period in our relationship where we
1: were the same way. We were both um, kind of a crossroads. And I remember very distinctly, I remember talking with you, but I, part of this was me tuning into myself and really every day saying, what's the next right thing. Yeah. And, and I would literally say that to myself, what's the next right thing. And, and then you just take the next right step. But if you're, you, you have to be open and receptive to that. And it shows up, the right people show up, the right
0: next steps, the right books, the right podcasts, the right songs. Yes. I know. It's kind of magic. It is. It's very magic. Okay. So the healthy wild woman, according to Clarissa Pinkola Estes, is she is the female soul. She's intuition. She's the deep listener, the loyal heart, the one who thunders after injustice. Wow. She resides in the guts and not in the head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's that, that, um, you know, how many times do we hear growing up, you know, follow your gut, follow your gut. But at the same time, make indoctrinated sure you're doing not you right.
0: It's like, <laughs> think it through.
1: We, yes. Does that make logical sense? Right. So we, we get such mixed messages and, and I love that kind of innate. Um, And I think as we, and as this podcast unfolds and talking to women that are, that are living from this space, you know, that we're already kind of starting to interview. There is a, there is a consistent thread and, and that is it. They, they have got instincts that they, They are firmly in line with, you know, they listen
0: to them and they follow through on them. Yeah.
1: And and that makes them completely authentic in how they're living. And um, no one's gonna live like you or I or any. I mean, we all have to live according to ourselves. And there's so much as you grow up as a as a girl that it's all about comparison. And I think I actually think it's middle school when everything kind of bubbles up and there's the competition that comes out and we lose. We lose we, yeah. we lose that connection to ourselves because we're so caught up in our comparison to others.
0: They say that we are, um, we are our most authentic self around the age of 10. Yeah. Because we haven't hit that junior high phase yet. Yeah. And I, I have a 10 year old right now and I am trying to drink up her beautiful, beautiful authenticity, her joy, her vibrancy, her laughter, yeah. you know, her realness. She, she's not playing... The roles yet, but I I can feel it coming. Like I can already see it. There's little signs. Yeah. yeah. All right. So it's a way to close out this episode that we hope made you start to think about your own decisions in your life and how you can make these big, hard decisions from the heart. Um, I want to end with a a teaching that I read long ago from um, a book called The Teachings of Don Juan by Carlos Castaneda. And I think it's a book from the 70s or 80s. I feel like we are children of the 70s. I, we clearly, we are quoting people from these, the, these tie tie time up. times a lot. Yeah. So, Carlos Castaneda um, talks a lot about finding the path with heart. So, I'm going to read a little bit of this here. So, he writes look at every path closely and deliberately, try it as many times as you think necessary. Yes, okay. How many times have we repeated lessons in life? We talk about this a lot. He goes on to write, ask yourself and yourself alone one question. The question is one that only a very old man or woman asks. My benefactor told me about it once when I was young and my blood was too vigorous for me to understand it. So maybe Maybe we can't understand it in our 20s. Yeah. Uh, But he writes, now I do understand it and I will tell you what it is. So here's the big question. When you're looking at every path closely and deliberately, does this path have a heart? Hmm. If it does, the path is good. If it doesn't, of it is of no, no use. use. So that's really the question, right? Yeah.
1: Am I following a path with heart? And so if you're out there thinking about making a change or you feel like you're stuck Really think about the idea that you're looking for a path with heart and yeah, living
0: fully. And what I would say about how do I know if this path has heart, you'll feel it. This is not about logic and thinking about it and pro-con list and, well, this makes logical sense for me to do this. A path with heart is all about how it feels. Do do you feel led there? Do you feel expansive? Do you feel guided there? Does it scare you a little bit? Is there emotion? Is there energy behind that path? That's the path with heart. So many great wisdoms. So many great wisdoms. So our dear listeners, please, as you're facing your decisions, put your hands over your heart. Listen in. Yeah. And follow your heart. Follow your heart. Thank you. Thank you. And now the amazing
1: singer-songwriter Lissy Morris with Wild West.
0: Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.